The Lord be with you. And also with you. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. On this Christmas Sunday, the liturgy, music, and homily are offered in the praise of God from Marsh Chapel for our gathered congregation here, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and your material support, your written and emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of ministry and service and leadership in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray together. Purify our conscience, almighty God, by your daily visitation, that your Son, Jesus Christ, at his coming, may find in us a mansion prepared for himself, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. We pause to offer ourselves together in silent confession. We remember the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, by gracious powers so wonderfully sheltered, confidently waiting, come what may. We know that God is with us night and morning and never fails to greet us as we pray. Let us bow as the choir sings our traditional Kyrie in our prayer of confession. Lord Jesus, we ask thee to stay close by us forever and love us, we pray. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care and fit us for heaven to live with thee there. Amen. Beloved, hear the good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of the prophet Micah, chapter 5, verses 2 through 5. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. 
Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has brought forth. Then the rest of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall live secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be the one of peace. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
A lesson from the Epistle to the Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 5 through 10. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, See, God, I have come to do your will, O God. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. When he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, See, I have come to do your will. He abolishes the first in order to establish the second. And it is by God's will that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in praying responsively verses from Psalm 80 with the Antiphon. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph's people like a flock. You who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth before the tribes of Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. O God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us the scorn of our neighbors. Our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. And now, beloved, rise up, in body as you are able, but certainly in heart, for the singing of the Gloria Deo, the reading of our gospel, and the singing of our hymn.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke, chapter 1, verses 39 through 55. Glory to you, O Lord. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
Please be seated. A long time ago, alone, up in the hill country, the uplands, a woman walks to the home of a second cousin thrice removed. She makes haste. We know, remember the Good Samaritan, that these roads harbor bandits, and perhaps for that reason. She hurries along in solitude. We know solitude. The solitude of birth. The solitude of death. The solitude of dreams. And there she enters the home of Zechariah to greet Elizabeth. One thing we learn from these two women is a regard for self-mockery. You might say self-awareness, I might say self-criticism, we might say the centered self, but listen as they speak and sing. One thing we learn from Mary and Elizabeth is a capacity to take ourselves lightly that we might fly like the angels. What does Elizabeth say? Who am I, who am I, that the mother of my Lord should visit me? She laughs. Well, of course, so did her forebear, Sarah. Sarah and Hannah stand behind in the shadows of these stories, do they not? We learn some self-mockery from them. In the Gospel according to St. Luke, we find reversals. Those on the outside are the insiders in this Gospel. 24 weeks from now and 24 chapters from now, who will it be come Easter who hear first the news of resurrection? The women. Who will it be in the chapters intervening who unstintingly follow and listen in the teaching and preaching and healing? The women. Who is it who hears first now the plan, the promise of salvation? Mary and Elizabeth. Men had hardly anything to do with it. We project less as we learn and grow. Projection, that is, the desire to see what we want to see, to see what we expect to see, to see what we long and desire to see. That slips away over time and through experience. But for these two, no such learning was needed. They carried already that sense of self-awareness, not of them the old idiom, too soon old, too late, smart, already. They carry, do you, a sense of absolute dependence. Schleiermacher would be proud. It does seem that the women have sensed things first and better and more deeply. And Mary, before whom Elizabeth pauses and bows, is blessed. Why? Because she has faith. In what? In the fulfillment of the promise. In what way? Here, a little different translation makes all of the rendering 
truer. You hear in the New Revised Standard Version that she believed that the promise would be fulfilled, that is, that she would have a child, and that's possible but not right. The verb is a very simple indicative, not conditional, not subjunctive, not would. She was blessed because she believed that all things, all these things will, not would, will be fulfilled in the longest of runs. And what are these things? That his reign, the Prince of Peace, will stand forever. Mary's is a hope for a promise to be fulfilled. And her blessing is not in the birth of a child, but the birth of a dream child. His reign shall last forever, she believes, do we. However else are we going to face slaughter news? From these two women, we second learn as well as if we needed any reminder a sense of vulnerability, lonely they are, in the woods they are, unprotected they are. I learned this week that Boston University has 120 centers. A center is a moment when a faculty member has an idea and chooses to try to connect it with some funding and to marry them up under the name of a center. One day, maybe I will have my own, the Dean Robert Allen Hill Center for Wonder, Vulnerability, and Self-Mockery. <laughs> As if we needed any, we have such a reminder. My first mentor, Court Foster, never went to college, but he was a scratch, scratch golfer. Ne never went to college, but owned and flew a Cessna 172. Never went to college, but was the president of his rotary. Never went to college, but could talk toe-to-toe -to -toe and nose-to-nose -nose in theological terms with those who, who did. He ran a campground. Like all the men with whom I grew up, he was a hunter, a deer hunter. In the junior year, planning then to teach Spanish literature at the college level, I went to Segovia and received in the late autumn one of those, this is another era, a bygone one, a little blue aerogram. Tiny, thin, slim they were, with my mother's handwriting, Bob, your mentor, your friend, your boss, Court, died in a hunting accident last week. It was on the hairpin turn there at Casawasco with his friends. We hadn't, the group of us, been planning to go back to that camp the next summer. We had other ideas, but with court gone, someone needed to run the place. 20-year-olds with a little bit of supervision can do quite a bit. Forlorn Methodist minister came down on Tuesdays and Thursdays to see if things were going all right. We worked from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m., and then we went skiing in the long summer evenings. Without court to drive the boat, I or another would drive and pause and curl the, the throw rope and throw out the tow line, and there was Peg the widow at one evening moment saying, I, what do you think? Uh, did God uh, call him home? And I said, Peg, no, I don't think so. That's not the way as I think 
God acts. God loves. She said, well, if you go to seminary, maybe you could work on that. I had no intention then of going, but here we are. We need to avoid the theological cliff. Your faith does not exclude you from calamity, but gives you the strength to resist calamity. Faith does not give us the capacity to understand, but gives us the capacity with courage to withstand what we cannot understand. Faith is not a set of answers to unsolvable problems or questions, but faith itself is a daily question, the ultimate question, your question of ultimate concern without which you are not quite yet fully human. And faith is a faith in God, not another creature or being or person with a long white beard, but God the first, God the last, God beyond all thought, holy other, ground of being, totalitaire, alitaire. And you as Christian people carry also the faith of the crucified God. Now I know that the early church resisted patripassianism, but they did it by a whisker. And we will push that whisker even further today. Your faith is in the God, the crucified God, who chooses to dwell in the form of a child, a dream child, whose presence, mystery, enchantment, and love are known in human form, fragile, tragically prone to accident, weak, innocent, there, God. That is why three times a year we go next door and listen to Elie Wiesel speak of the great and lasting question. We together as a community, as a people, now have had a mirror set before us. Every sermon is a mirror. I'm holding up the mirror. It's invisible, but you know, we don't have a full budget to buy mirrors on the drop of a hat. It's before you. Here it is. You can see. We as a culture suffer a coarsening and a weakening, a cheapening of life. We see that we intend to protect the weak and the innocent, but we don't always, do we, or we don't always succeed. It's deeper than that. We don't so much anymore sing in a choir as live to acquire. Our culture has gone so deep, so south, that even those remnants of desire to achievement have fallen into acquisition, not a choir, but a choir. We're going to need to draw on our deep and even New England theological roots into the unforeseen. The whole land will need to remember Jonathan Edwards of Connecticut, said he, resolve that I will always act in a way that I would be unafraid to in the last hour of my death. Or Ralph Waldo Emerson, people are convertible. That is, the, fo the 
force of education is to wake the slumbering soul from its habitual sleep, to wake us up, so that as a community of faith here at Marsh Chapel, we may continue to bear our cross, and here it is. Our cross is to continue to resist a pervasive culture of guns and gun violence across this land. Our culture is to continue to work for forms of mental health against a culture that often will avoid such. Our cross is to, together, to resist, as has been regularly acclaimed from this pulpit, the darker and less fortunate aspects of the newer cyber culture. We are so vulnerable, these two women, Mary and Elizabeth, and our own experience in these days remind us so. Mary and Elizabeth, here in these quiet hours up north in the uplands, upstate, give us a sense again of mystery as well. The purpose of Sunday worship in part, so essential it is, is to intervene and interrupt the daily, the quotidian flow of word and deed with a sense of enchantment, mystery, wonder. The world does not lack for wonders, but only for a sense of wonder. And so Mary, Mary and Elizabeth stand on tiptoe, and so they sing, and so they lift, and so the song, My soul doth magnify the Lord. Our limitation is before us Sunday by Sunday, and we have a sense of wonder. Mary's blessing is not for the coming of a child, as wonderful as that is but the coming of a dream child. A child in whose reign over time, we hope, we look forward, and how will you live in the face of slaughter news without some sense of hope in the future? That there will come a day when the earth will be full of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. But violence and a culture of violence are not going to disappear on their own. For that, it will be required to have a community of faith gathered in resistance. Disregard for mental health will not change on its own. For that, there will be required a congregation, a community of faith, to heal such lack. The defects of cyber culture will not disappear on their own. For that, we shall need a regular Sunday by Sunday, gathering of a community of faith. It's so intriguingly fascinating. St. Luke in the first chapter is really talking about the church. You hear this in his birth legend and his mention of John the Baptist. Why would he bring up the birth of John the Baptist? Because in his late first century setting, he's trying to keep some Baptists in the pews, those original followers of John the Baptist, and he remembers a story, an honoring story, a wondrous story, not only of the birth of the Messiah, but also of 
the birth of John the Baptist. That's an internal struggle. He also is facing outside to those Greeks, that Hellenistic culture. They like their religion sprinkled with a little bit of birth legend, and so he remembers the birth of John the Baptist in a miraculous sense. That is, in our gospel today, there is a deep abiding sense of the importance of the community of faith gathered. I digress, but it may be that we want to look at ammunition as well as uh, guns. You may want to put a gun on your, the back of your truck or up above the fireplace or use it for a canoe paddle for all I know. But if you need ammunition, we as a community may want to inspect and to check at least to the level that I am inspected when I want to fly to San Diego to see my son. If I can be groped at Logan Airport for that purpose, we can intensely and effectively check the use of ammunition. But I digress again. You know, the mi misinterpretation of scripture in a fundamentalist sense, that rigid, non-reading reading that we reject here. We recognize that Luke in the year 90 needs a certain kind of interpretation to bear truth today. But that kind of rhetoric, that hermeneutic, carries over into the broader culture, say, in the reading of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Documents penned in the 18th century need flexible hermeneutical treatment to make sense to carry truth into the 21st. Part of the enchantment, part of the wonder, part of the mystery of this hour, of this season, is brought to us in the gospel about Mary and about Elizabeth. This enchantment is your salvation, your health, I put it to you as a recommended resolution for the new year. If the singing of the carols and hymns of faith is not worth doing, what is? If the hearing and speaking of the gospel of kindness is not worth doing, what is? If the care of sisters and brothers, members of a community of faith, week by week is not worth doing, what is? If this wonder, this enchantment, this mystery is not worth an hour of your time, attention, commitment, and devotion, just what is your time, attention, devotion, and commitment worth? A long time ago, far up in the North Country, the uplands, the highlands, the hill country, a woman walked alone to visit in the home of her second cousin, thrice removed. She knew, as do we, solitude in birth and in death and in dreams. And there in the welcome of that gracious home, she and her sister remind us of our capacity our need 
the gift of faith to you should you receive it, of wonder, vulnerability, self-mockery, for soon the work, the work of Christmas will begin, as Dean Thurman did say, when the song of the angels is stilled and the star in the sky is gone and the kings and princes are home and the shepherds are back with their flocks, then the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among brothers, to make music in the heart. Dear friends, as we turn our hearts and minds to prayer, I would invite you to remain standing, to be seated, to kneel, or to come to the communion rail according to your tradition as we join in our call to prayer. Lead me, Lord.
I will conclude each petition. Lord, in your mercy, please respond. Hear our prayer. Watchful at all times, let us pray for strength to stand with confidence before our Maker and Redeemer. That God may bring in the kingdom with justice and mercy. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That God may establish among the nations the scepter of righteousness. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That we may seek God in the scriptures and recognize Christ in the breaking of the bread. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That God may bind up the brokenhearted, restore the sick, and raise up all who have fallen. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That the night of God's coming may dawn on all who live in darkness and the shadow of death. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That with all the saints in light, we may shine forth as lights of the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let us commend the world which Christ will judge to the mercy and protection of God this day. Almighty God, give us grace to cast away the works of darkness and to put on the armor of light, now in the time of this mortal life, in which your Son, Jesus Christ, came to us in great humility, that on the last day, when he shall come again in his glorious majesty to judge the living and the dead, we may rise to the life immortal. Through him who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Awaiting his coming in glory, as our Savior has taught us, so we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever.
The peace of the Lord be always with you. We greet you here in the nave of Marsh Chapel once again this Christmas Eve Eve, also known as the fourth Sunday of Advent this year. We hope that you'll take a moment to help us get to know you better so that we can help you get to know one another better by putting your name and your contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew. Particularly if you're visiting us with us this week, we hope you'll take a moment to do so. We would note that the chapel offices are closed this week for intercession, but we here at Marsh Chapel are in fact here tomorrow evening for our Christmas Eve service uh, at 7 p.m. here in the nave of Marsh, 7.30 p.m. in the nave of Marsh Chapel. Uh, come and join us for the ministry of the word, of the sacrament, and for candlelight. We would encourage especially those in our radio congregation, but also you here in the pews, to consider making a generous gift to us here at Marsh Chapel here at the end of the year and in the Christmas season, uh, particularly we note this morning so that we can purchase a mirror for Dean Hill. <laughs> we would invite you during the offertory to consider who it is who made all of the little lambs in Newtown, Connecticut. As the choir sings John Taverner's setting, the Lamb. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
we give thee but thine own, whate'er the gift may be. All that we have is thine alone, a trust, O God, from thee. Bless and multiply these our gifts as our hope to further the dream. In the name of Christ Jesus, who came to us in our flesh and in our image, and in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, the giver of life. Amen.
May the sun show warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes, God's hand to you. The blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.